0: Welcome to Draw Near with Fred and Kara, and today we're gonna get a little bit casual. So Fred and I often, we will go out and do teaching sessions in our diocese, and we have these go-to questions that we ask during times of discussion. And you know the saying, like you can cut the tension with a knife? In a good way, I feel like some of these questions are kind of tension starters, (laughs) because we'll like give moments where it's like, okay, here are the questions, now have some time to discuss. And it'll be like two to three minutes of just silence Mm. before they start talking to each other.
1: Followed by like some really awesome discussion, though. Exactly. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like the the reason that it's like, quote, tension starters is in, in a good way because like they really get you thinking. They get us reflecting on our relationship with God and on our faith. And they're questions that like we often don't get asked or even think to ask of ourselves. Um, These questions might be, why are you Catholic? How have you seen the grace of God working in your life the past week? In what ways have you felt the love of the Father? Things like that. Um, Fred, I think we can probably actually come up with a list and share a list in the description of the show.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be great in the show notes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: For For some of your reflection after this podcast, if you'd like. But today, Fred and I actually decided to ask each other a couple of these questions to really, I think, open up you as the listener to um, to reflect on this in your own life, but also because this is a fairly new podcast. And we mentioned in our episode, Come Follow Me, that we are not good at banter. So,
1: <laughs> Should we do chit chat and banter? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. So we want to give you guys an opportunity to really kind of get to know us a little bit more and where we began in our relationship with the Lord and how he's kind of worked in our life to lead us to where we're at now. Fred, I'm going to start ask with my question for you, if that's okay.
1: That's okay. Should I be scared, though? Yes. It's a okay. scary question. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I have had the pleasure of knowing Fred for many years. Fred, you're one of my closest friends and and a spiritual brother, really. So I feel really trusted and um, grateful to to like have you share parts of your conversion story with me. Um, but for people who might not know, you're a convert. And so I think they would really benefit from this witness of you stepping out in faith and joining the Catholic Church. So my question to you is, what made you become Catholic?
1: Yeah, I, I want to start by going all the way to the end and answering the question, why are you Catholic? Because that's kind of at the heart of, of what you're asking. So I want to begin with the very end of the story. You know, movies do that sometimes. You'll begin with the end, and then you're like, what's happening? <laughs> or people uh, who
0: like spoilers will read the last r- page
1: of a book. Right, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's an important question that, that we have to answer, is that why are you Catholic? And, and I know for me as a convert, I saw something in the Catholic faith. I found something in the Catholic faith that I had been looking for, and that is ultimately why... I became Catholic. I recognized that there was something there that I could not get anywhere else. In a lot of ways, my reception into the church was, for me, the end of a lifelong journey and the beginning of a new one. It wasn't, as I had been taught and as I had learned in my previous uh, denomination, it wasn't trading a relationship for a religion. It was growing even deeper in my relationship with Christ.
0: Is that what you were taught, that with the re- relationship and religion? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, that the, they were opposites. Uh, so we're not called to religion. We're called to relationship with Christ. And so, In
0: reference, like the Catholic Church was just a right, religion. Right, it's just
1: gotcha. a religion, okay. a man-made kind of thing. But what I found was the exact opposite, that, no, this is a, a deeper, more intimate communion with Christ. So what I saw in the Catholic Church, what I saw in the Catholic faith was the fulfillment of many of those things that I had spent my whole life trying to find, only to fall short. It, it brought closure, it brought healing to me in ways that I just didn't know was possible. And, and I discovered a fuller sense of the faith, a very much a fuller sense of the faith, because you know I saw in the Catholic faith the answers to many of the questions I have. Uh, it really was discovering the Catholic faith that allowed me to better understand and reconcile things in my own life, to extend forgiveness and compassion to others, and to really understand Scripture better also, which to me was very important. That was an important part of not just my conversion into the Catholic faith, but my initial conversion from uh, being really a heathen, (laughs) if you will, (laughs) uh, to a Christian and finally to a Catholic. I can't picture you as a heathen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's hard to imagine, but... uh, so,
0: okay, so I won't say the Catholic Church is like the end of your journey by any means, because obviously heaven is the end goal of our journey, mm-hmm. but, but th- that's where you're at now. Where did you start that led you to the Catholic Church now?
1: Kara, I, I think it started at a very early age, to be honest. I'm not going to go into a lot of the details, Kara. You know most of the details, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm always happy to talk with someone uh, if they'd like to learn and talk more. But as a child growing up, having a difficult childhood both at home and at school, being bullied and all these difficult sort of things, I still, in those difficult moments, had a sense that there was something more to life. There was something better out there or something transcendent. I had a sense that perhaps God was calling me to something. And so I think at a very early age, I did have a sense of there has to be more than this. And so, a lot of my journey, growing up through my childhood, into the teenage years, and into adulthood was trying to find whatever that was that I kept sensing. Mm-hmm. and And that which is exactly why I say coming into the Catholic faith was the end of a lifelong journey and the beginning of a new one. You know, I, I remember as a child growing up, and trying to read the King James Bible, you know, is not an easy task. Some of our <laughs> listeners maybe have done that before. but, I, I would just enjoy it. I, I don't know why. And I'd always have to start with Genesis, you know, and you get through Genesis, you're really enthusiastic. But by the time you're building the tabernacle, by the right. time you're going through all the
0: 600 laws, <laughs> yeah, all
1: the time, you. by the time you're getting to the begats, you start to run out of steam. But there was something about that that, that excited me. Uh, I remember sitting down, some of my favorite m- memories growing up as a child, sitting down in Even though my dad didn't really understand a lot of the scripture stories well, just reading the Bible to me, even though we didn't go to church, my family, you know, they didn't really have the the formation to form me in any faith. It was a very religiously kind of mixed up house where we had lapsed Catholics, we had Mormons, we had Presbyterians. You'd find the Book of Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, you'd find the Ouija board, tarot cards, (laughs) of course, the King James Bible. And I'll be honest, the magic eight ball was too much in charge sometimes as well. <laughs> and superstitions, gosh, it was it was hard to keep all the different superstitions uh, together. God help you if you, you know, sat your hat on the table or uh, put your shoes on the bed or yeah, or broke a mirror, opened an umbrella in a house. Hat on the table. Hat. We put a <laughs> hat
0: on the table all the time. Yeah. I did not yeah, know where that Where else opening.
1: am I going to put it? Yeah. Anyway, so that that's kind of what my religious upbringing was like, but despite all that despite honestly kind of a a rough upbringing at home and and being bullied i I did have that sense of god wanting to work in my life and um discovered music and that was really kind of uh, it brought me peace and it brought me friends too uh which in listening or
0: playing because you play guitar
1: uh, both yeah especially the playing music yeah, and that was kind of an outlet for me, and I and I don't typically talk about that that much. And Kara, this might be the first time you've heard this: is that even in playing that music, there was a part of me that was still trying to find God. Mm-hmm. You know that that somehow I thought that music would help bring me the peace I was looking for, and it kind of sounds kind of silly, but I figured if it worked for the Beatles, it might work for me. And and that's kind of how my life was until I met my wife. At the time, I, I I worked at a swimming pool store, and it was the winter time, and um, they're really <laughs> there's just nobody's buying swimming pools that time of year. And so I would just spend the day reading scripture all day. I mean, Kara, I'm, this is no joke. I would I would read a gospel or two every single day. Mm-hmm. That's how much scripture I was reading, and I would just come home so excited and and tell my wife all the things I'd learned. And fast forward just a little bit more, went to church, recognizing that. Uh, we wanted more of that faith in our lives heard the gospel preach for the first time and very much had a radical conversion and a little bit further you know discerning a call to be a pastor we go to bible college and and it's there that I begin to recognize there were some flaws in some of our teaching you know and it was really through my scripture reading and study that there were things in our faith in my particular Protestant denomination that just didn't Make sense uh, when you even when you just looked at scripture, you even though for a time I, I had peace and I felt like I had found that look what I was looking for, it didn't take very long for me to grow even more dissatisfied. Um, and then I began to study the New Testament more carefully and the church fathers in particular. When I read the church fathers, that really kind of rocked my world because it, it became Uh, clear to me that I couldn't continue and still be honest in my Protestant denomination in light of what the Church Fathers taught. These were the disciples of the apostles themselves, and what they taught and what I found in Scripture in particular just didn't line up.
0: What about the Fathers? What did you read? What did they say that was the thing that sparked you to look more into the Catholic Church?
1: I think ultimately it was the teaching on the Eucharist, for one thing. I mean, you see in St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing about the year 100, he was a disciple of the Apostle John, and he's speaking about the Eucharist in language that we would believe today as Catholics, that it's the true presence, the, the body and blood of Christ, and he's very clear about that. And then finding in John chapter 6, when, when Jesus himself is saying, unless you... Uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And then looking at the the language he used, the word for eat and drink, it, it's pretty graphic. There's no, yeah. it's not really open for interpretation. And not being able to find any way to explain away what Jesus himself said, also for me, was kind of one of those things that I just couldn't accept. Um, but that that was really kind of one of those things, finding that in the Church Fathers and, of course, uh, reading in Justin Martyr, how he describes the Mass, yeah, which is identical to how it's celebrated today.
0: Mm-hmm. So um,
1: It was in the Church Fathers that I found the answers that my pastors never could mm-hmm. provide me. And so that's when I saw that's what I'm looking for. It was hard to accept because I had, I had already been on this path of becoming a Protestant pastor. I have kids, and how am I going to support my family? I'll be honest with you, of my, my final exams week, you know, I, I'm preparing to take a full-time job at the church. In final exams week, you know, for all these years, I had thought I had knew what I was doing, but I'm reading one, Rome Sweet Home by Scott Hahn during final exams, and I'm just bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And I think graduation day was one of the most frightening days of my life because yeah. I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, and then finally, my wife said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when she she said that, uh, it was at that point that I realized, okay, Lord, uh, you're calling me home to the Catholic Church. Yes, Lord, I will follow.
0: I think that's beautiful. And I think it's a really wonderful testament of faith stepping out, not knowing, you know, in what ways God is going to call you and what ways he's going to provide for you. And I think it's a good witness, especially for those who might be listening who are not of the Catholic faith. Because like Fred said, I mean, he's so personal. So if you ever want to just like chat with one of us or get to know more of his story, comment on one of our episodes and we will be happy to do that.
1: Yeah, And and to that point, Kara, I think it's important that we remember our last podcast, we talked about that Come Follow Me. But my testimony, if I were to sum up that uh, coming into the church point, it's, where God guides, He provides. I had the choice between, in a certain sense, commit career suicide <laughs> yeah. or completely ignore what I knew the Lord was saying for the sake of keeping my job. And, you know, I, I went out to Franciscan University and, you know, I had that choice to make and I hadn't even applied to the school at this point. And by the time I left that campus visit, not only did I have a house for my family and I to live in, but I also had a scholarship. Uh, fittingly, the Cardinal Newman Scholarship, who himself was a convert because of reading those church fathers. So fair warning, those church fathers will get you. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I've talked for a very long time here. Um, why <laughs> are stuff. you Catholic here?
0: Um, so I actually grew up Catholic. Um so that's the answer at the end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you know that, that really common phrase that we hear, I was a cradle Catholic, um, and which means like you were you were born baby in the cradle. You've always been Catholic your whole life. I'm going to coin a new phrase. We're going to see if it sticks. This will tell us how many people listen to our <laughs> podcast. I was a careless Catholic, basically the majority of my life. That's just how I interacted with my relationship with God. I did not care about it. I had no emotion. I was super indifferent Um, I had never felt a need to love God as a friend or even a person. Um, And I think honestly, from from the outside looking in, people who knew me but didn't know my interior life, know me personally, would probably think the opposite. Um, Because I was the kind of person who did what I was supposed to. I went to church, I went to religious ed, I went to youth group, I went to all the conferences, but on the inside, you know, the interior life of Kara, I did not care. Um, it was just, I was just doing what I was supposed to do. And I think the big moment for me was in high school and I was at a conference and we were in adoration and you mentioned that, that music really helped you Fred and got you through it. And I find that so awesome because our listeners might not know this, but Fred and I actually do music together a lot and we'll lead worship for adoration or something. And so I I find it so beautiful that music was a part of both of our conversions But in this moment in adoration, there are people who are leading worship and it was like nobody else was there, nobody else was singing, and I just like was standing up with my hands, not a care in the world, like singing at the top of my lungs, (laughs) like nobody could hear me, and I think that was really the moment where like I actually started having feelings relating to the faith and you know when you picture like a little kid on Christmas morning like getting ready to run down the steps and just waiting for like mom and dad to be like okay let's go and they're just like so giddy jumping up and down so excited that was seriously like what my heart felt like in that moment I was my heart literally was like so excited and it was just like opening up preparing itself for what God had coming and that was seriously the moment that I think at least things started moving, you know? Like, mm. what what's the doctor thing that they shock you?
1: Oh, defibrillator.
0: Yes, okay. I yeah. was a lifeguard for seven years, I should probably yeah. know. <laughs> um, so it was seriously, like, for my entire life up until high school, I just was, like, flatlined. And in this moment, just raising my hands to sing in adoration, it was like somebody just shocked my heart awake. And I think this is really just the beginning because, honestly, and I'm kind of ashamed to say this, Honestly, I think from that moment, even though I like started recognizing God and wanting to love him, it didn't change how I lived my life. I was still a high school student, gossiping to fit in, trapped in my sin, and um, I didn't start praying to God for like four years after this point. So it didn't really change how I was living my life. And I kind of look back on these moments, Fred, and I, th- I think to myself, I'm so grateful that God abounds in mercy and abounds in love because scripture tells us we don't know the hour or the day where he's going to come again or where our our time will end. And I thank him every day that it was not in those moments where I was still trapped in my sin and when, when I was indifferent to the faith. And I think that just shows us so much how much he longs for us and how much he thirsts. For us and in every way he will present just little opportunities for each and every one of us to turn a little bit more to him so even though I had this in this encounter it was throughout the many many years and continuing today that God just gave me like little spiritual hugs over and over to continue to have me turn around and continue to come with him and it really wasn't until college that this started to make a difference in my life because in college let me tell you it's a rough Mm -hmm. go (laughs) If, if we're not solid in our faith and 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 know like this is what we want it's hard i had so many people challenge me on my faith when i got to college i had someone who i went on a date with and they were challenging me on mary i had a protestant pastor who was like, so what do you believe about faith and works? And then on a separate occasion was like, you know, how are people saved in the Catholic Church? Just like, you know, throwing things at me. And I had a a very close, dear friend who I grew up with, went to religious education with, and she went to college and was also getting challenged by other people. And she didn't have the answers. And so she asked me like, you know, Kara, why do we believe this? What's this? I'm ashamed to say in all of these moments and many others, I did not have the answers, Fred. And I honestly think back to a lot of those occasions and I wish I could go back to them and you know be able to answer their questions and help them understand the beauty and the truth of the faith. But I just I mean we don't get the, we don't get the pleasure mm-hmm. of doing that. So I just have to pray now in these moments that like God can work in that and work in my failures. But these moments, these challenges in college and as I you know continued in my young adult life, these are why I'm Catholic today Mm -hmm. because in those moments I could have said to myself and I could have thought you know I don't know I don't have the answer so that must mean that the church is wrong but instead I thought to myself I don't know but you better believe that I'm gonna go find out and I started learning about my faith and really taking it seriously and learning about what the church actually teaches about certain topics and what I found was that the Catholic Church, who was built on Jesus Christ, who was built on truth itself, the Catholic Church had answers. And that's what I found. So when I actually started learning about my faith, and, you know, this is, I'll just side note, like this is a lifelong process Mm -hmm. for us. I, you know, we could study our faith and study scripture our entire life. And she is a beautiful mystery, the church is. So even after a lifelong of study, we're not going to know all of her secrets. Mm -hmm. So as I started learning about my faith and as I continue to do that throughout my life now, this is what grounds me because all I wanted to to do was to learn more about God and be united to him. And that's how I would answer this question, Fred, why are you Catholic? Because I don't think I could know the truth of the faith and be anything else.
1: Yeah. And that's the reality here. Um, Kara, I, I mentioned my wife saying it's not a matter of if, but when. Yeah. And Uh, I I had come across a passage in the Catechism. Uh, It says, Hence they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse to enter. And I was really struggling with those words. Like, uh, I believe all that the Catholic Church teaches and professes to be revealed by God. I believe all, (laughs) and yet I'm trying to avoid entering. And then so— when crystal said that it, it's kind of the same thing that, that you're getting at like what else would i do i'm reminded of the words of the apostles in in john chapter 6 it's part of that eat my flesh drink my blood mm-hmm. narrative there with jesus some had trouble accepting that teaching and some of the disciples left they walk away mm-hmm. and and jesus turns to the apostles and said you know will you leave too and i believe it was peter yeah. and he says Lord, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. That is the reality here. What else could I be? Recognizing that Christ alone has the words of eternal life. It's only in him that I I found all that I've been looking for, and it's only in him that I'm truly satisfied, I'm truly happy. It's only in him that my soul is complete in a lot of ways. You know. Mm
0: -hmm. So, okay, you're coming from a Protestant background, and I know there are differing understandings and opinions out there about the church and about the sacraments. So coming into the Catholic Church as someone who had never really learned about the sacraments Mm -hmm. prior and who had never experienced them, what was your first encounter with that?
1: Well, uh, the first was I can't wait for the Eucharist uh, because, like I said, um, I would describe myself as, a, as being a Nicodemus Catholic for several years. And mm. the, those of you that aren't familiar, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee who really believed in Christ but kind of hid it. But yeah, that was me. I just kind of hid out. And I would even kind of stealth have these little Catholic dialogues with people I worked with, kind of like trying to convince them of the Catholic faith, even though I hadn't fully allowed myself to be convinced. It's kind of mm-hmm. ironic. But I think the Eucharist was the thing because we had come to believe the Eucharist and the real presence very early on. And even when we understood like what what's the key difference there, there was a little bit of a logical disconnect, but we were so adamant that the words in scripture were clear, uh, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, and this is my body, this is my blood. Those Those words are pretty clear. <laughs> I think one of the turning points for me was, uh, so at our very large church, 17,000 member church, we we always had this huge Easter production where uh, everything from the Passion to the Last Supper, and our our pastor that year actually was playing the part of Jesus. And we're a church that provided, we called ourselves word people, faithful to every word in scripture. And when it got to the institution narrative, he said, this represents my body. This represents my blood. And I remember being so scandalized that I, I, I literally got up and walked out. I would say in some ways we never really went back after that because it was, if we're word people, then we have to be faithful to that word. So recognizing that, I couldn't wait to receive the Eucharist because, um, you know, I believed in the real presence. I recognized that in the, in the Eucharist, uh, there's that union with Jesus that I sought I think, too, with the sacrament of confession, Kara, like you mentioned, I was well aware of my own sins, my own failings, and I recognized that like St. John the Baptist, I have to decrease and he has to increase, and that happens in the sacrament of confession in a lot of ways. And so I remember going through RCA and I was just so excited about confession that I actually Got permission and was allowed to go much earlier <laughs> than everybody else. So I kind of had two first reconciliations in a way, I suppose. But it was it was like forty five minute confession. But I remember leaving that confessional feeling lighter, feeling more joyful, feeling clean inside, feeling transformed, feeling like a weight I had been carrying my whole life had been completely lifted off of me. And every time I go to f- confession, I try to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, does it feel like that every time? No. But it's just as true every time. Part of that experience is, was recognizing that not only has the Lord redeemed me, not only has he forgiven me my sin and cleansed me, but he's also given me the grace to go and sin no more. Uh, as long as I cooperate with him, obviously. Right. You know, Kara, there's this great, the, the line's escaping me at the moment. Uh, from I Believe in Love. What what does uh, what does he say about going to confession?
0: Yeah, so he gives a challenge to go to confession like you were dancing. So he says that we don't dance enough in the spiritual life.
1: Yeah, I felt like dancing, I'll be honest, yeah. Kira. And, and speaking of that, that was my experience, Easter Vigil. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from a church where, a Pentecostal church, where I saw people do somersaults and run around the building sometimes, I never did that in my experience in that church because uh, if you saw me doing that, grab your kids and run because the building's on fire. But uh, when I went up for confirmation, recognizing what confirmation is and then receive first communion, I remember thinking when I got back to my seat and just being so filled with joy that I had finally had the grace of the sacrament of confirmation that I longed for and I had Christ literally dwelling in me. The hope of glory dwelling in me, fully body, blood, soul, and divinity. I was so overcome with joy that I literally felt like running around the room and <laughs> dancing and jumping. And I don't think the bishop would have liked that, but that's how I felt. So I would, I would. That's how I would answer that question. That that was my experience of coming into the church and experiencing the sacraments for the first time.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that image confession we don't dance enough in the spiritual life i seriously have like miniature dance parties all the time by myself i mentioned that like music <laughs> plays a huge role in my relationship with god and so like i'll seriously be in my room just blasting christian music praying my kids don't wake up to me singing really <laughs> yeah. loudly and like dancing by myself
1: yeah. that's your fridays at 4 30 dance too i think
0: yeah well yeah it is when <laughs> we get to go home for the weekend <laughs> Yeah, but I am very much a visual person. So when I go to confession, I kind of picture like those military coming home videos. And I know you guys Mm -hmm. all know what I'm talking about. I cry every single time I see one of those. Somebody records their family being rejoined with somebody who's been serving in the military. And it's just so heartwarming. They are just like in a warm embrace crying because they're so happy to see each other. That's what I picture when I go into the confessional is that Jesus is running to Mm -hmm. me. And it's just a very emotional, like, welcoming home. And I think that helps me, too, to recognize the reality of what it is when we're going in and, you know, freeing ourselves from that sin because we are being welcomed
1: back home. Amen. So, Carol, we're talking about the sacraments. And I think one thing that we're already getting a sense of is that the sacraments are, in a very real way, encounters with the living God. Mm -hmm. So this is a question we love to ask people, Kara. How has your encounter with Christ in the Eucharist changed your life? What difference has that made?
0: The biggest difference there could ever be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I alluded to this when I mentioned that my initial conversion was in adoration. So I had never experienced adoration before in high school. And You know, our youth minister was explaining to us before we went on this conference all the different things that were going to be going on, and he mentioned that we were going to have adoration, and I was like, oh, what's that? And the way that it was explained to me was seriously, well, they bring out the Eucharist in this metal thing that kind of looks like a star, and then you sit and stare at it. I was like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know how that's, that sounds enjoyable. Mind you, I did not have a personal relationship with the Lord. I did not understand or recognize the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So I was like, should I bring a coloring book? Like, do mm-hmm. I need to entertain myself for this hour? I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen here. But I went to adoration and, you know, I I seriously felt like the music was opening my heart to what the Lord was preparing for me. And this is what the Lord was preparing for me, was this encounter in adoration. Because I remember it vividly. I can picture it in my mind still today, and this was like 10 years ago. Um, We were in an auditorium, so there was the altar on the stage and the monstrance, that's the big metal starburst. The Hmm. monstrance was on the altar. I was up in the first row of the balcony. And the priest was processing the monstrance around the whole building. I remember he's on the first level and I'm looking over from the top of the balcony. And I remember the spotlight hitting the monstrance, hitting Jesus. And on the wall was reflected Jesus. Okay, so I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably like, okay, so you saw like this tiny shadow. And you're like, hey, that kind of looks like Jesus. Neat. No, that's not what this was. <laughs> I, I swear it was it was truly the spotlight hit and went through the Eucharist in the monstrance and on the wall was not the starburst monstrance. It was not the priest holding it up. It was a profile of Jesus, unmistakably, crown of thorns, the works, everything. Wow. And I think in that moment, it was so huge for me because in that moment, I broke down. I broke down for two reasons. One, because my entire life I had been indifferent to what I was receiving every Sunday. I was just going yeah. up, grabbing my snack, and going back to my pew. And I did not understand what the Catholic Church truly taught and what the Catholic Church believed. So I broke down just really ashamed and really sorry. And I broke down, two because I just in that moment fell in love with God. And in that moment I had this like just just longing to never take him for granted, and to, as much as I possibly can, always always receive him with this reverence and recognition of truly what communion is in the church, that it is body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ truly present. You know the passage, Fred, um, God humbled himself taking the form of a slave. Yep, yep. Um, Philippians, I think, Philippians chapter 2. God humbled himself taking the form of, of a slave. I'm going to add here that every single day at Mass, God humbles himself even further, taking the form of bread. And he does this for us. He does this for you listening because there's nothing more in the world that he wants than to dwell within each and every single one of us. And so he makes himself palatable. He makes his flesh in the form that we can eat him and receive him into our bodies. That's how deeply he wants to truly be united to us. And I did not understand this at all. And so it was this moment seeing the light hit the Eucharist, seeing Jesus on the wall, that it was like, oh, wow, this is what the Catholic Church is. And in every possible way, the Eucharist has changed my life, Fred, because we always we always talk about how it's the source and summit of the faith. Source being it's where we receive all that we need in the Christian life and summit in that it's where we return to and it's where we want to lead people. And it truly is. And we can't really understand what that means and the implications for our life unless we recognize that it truly is the presence of God.
1: Yeah. It's where we encounter Christ, where we encounter God himself most personally. And that was the thing too for me coming into the church and recognizing, hearing so many popes, hearing so many Catholic saints talk about personal relationship with Christ because that was a phrase we used all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think... As Catholics, we forget all too often that God is a personal God that wants a deep, intimate relationship with you. And what can be more personal than receiving Him in your very person, body, yeah. blood, soul, and divinity? There's nothing more personal, there's nothing more intimate than that.
0: Yeah, and talking about intimacy in a personal relationship, like I mentioned, I'm a super visual person. So. Okay, I I often when I go to communion so that I can continue to recognize this, that it is Jesus and it is so personal and it is so loving. I often imagine this like in, in the context of a wedding, right? So the spouses are entering into this just intimate communion and relationship with one another. And I'm sure all of our listeners have been to a wedding or experienced a wedding of their own. And I remember at my wedding walking down the aisle and nobody else was there. Okay, we had a church packed full of people, but nobody else was there. And I was just looking at BJ and he just started crying. (laughs) And after I hugged my dad and my dad hands me over, I was crying. I talked to BJ after this and it was seriously like he was so emotional because in that moment, like we had just been preparing to spend the rest of our life with each other. And we were just so thankful and emotional that like this is the person i get to receive my entire life and so this is what i picture when i'm standing in the communion line where before i recognize this it was it was truly like you're trying not to step on the person's feet in front of you and like you just grab your snack and you go back and sit back down and i never want it to be that casual because it's not a casual thing so when i'm standing in the communion line and hopefully this this imagery can help somebody listening I picture Jesus, the bridegroom, standing at the end of the aisle, not the priest, not a piece of bread. I picture Jesus himself crying because he is watching me, Kara, walking down that aisle saying, yes, I choose you for my entire life. And he is so emotional and grateful and joyful and loving in that moment because he he thirsts for me. Just like he said when he was hung on the cross, I thirst. I thirst he thirsts. Yeah, yeah. he thirsts yeah. for my soul. He thirsts for your soul, Fred. Every single person. He thirsts for you, and so I just think that's such a, a helpful image yeah. in the intimacy of communion.
1: Amen. Kara, let's put um, the Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta's, "I Thirst" reflection in the show notes. If you're not familiar with that, yeah, uh, that'd be a great way to follow up on this podcast. Great way to follow up on. Exactly what Kara is saying, that God's great thirst for us in the Eucharist, in the sacraments. Uh, in a certain way, that's how his thirst is quenched. In every way, yeah. Yeah. This is important to realize here because what we're talking about when we ask questions, why are you Catholic? And we ask questions like, how has your encounter with Christ in the Eucharist changed your life? The reason we ask those questions is because encounters with God should change our lives. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them should leave. We should leave better than when we came. And a lot of that depends on our cooperating with God's grace and recognizing who it is we're encountering. And this is why Pope Francis reminds us, I invite you all to encounter Christ daily. He goes on to say, or at least being willing to let him encounter you. Um, So when we ask questions like, why are you Catholic? It has to be more than it's just what I've always done. Yeah. We also have to recognize that every time we receive the Eucharist, we are encountering Christ. We, in a very real way, is changing our lives. Yeah,
0: absolutely, Fred. I have loved this conversation. I hope it's given you listening a little insight into our journeys. You know, Fred, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I have a gratitude journal that sits on the side table of my bed and on the inside cover of that journal I have written, I am a wretched sinner striving for sainthood and I think this conversation kind of shows that of us like we are still sinners just like every single person on earth and we're just all striving to grow in holiness and grow towards sainthood so very very human but that's our goal in this is that together um, all of you listening united in the body of Christ that we could just try to answer God's call to grow in holiness to draw near to him each and every day.